Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Talking about, please just go for it because there's um, there's yeah. one thing in particular that I've come across a lot recently and I know that it was a bridge that I had to cross myself. I'm sure you did as well. And it kind of comes down to the fact that whenever we want to make any of these changes, one of the first things is almost we need to believe that we're worth making the change, you know, like we, we need to have enough kind of self-esteem if you want to call it that I'm, I'm not sure what I enjoy calling this kind of stuff, but we have to think enough of ourselves to go, you know what, yeah, actually I'm worth this. I'm I'm going to say no to putting myself through daily shit fights with food for the rest of my life because I'm worth more than that. And that can be quite a hurdle for some of us. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you feel about that? It's funny you say that. And I know we prepped this podcast ahead of time. So it's gonna seem like it's just coming out of left field. But when you said that. I immediately kind of disagreed. I was thinking back to my journey and what made me make the change. I didn't think much of myself, Mm. Um, but I knew that if I basically was listening to other stories of people doing things that I didn't think possible and thinking I want a different life. So the change for me really came from selfishness, but, but when I made those changes, I started to think more of myself. But the main motivation for me wasn't necessarily like I think highly of myself or I'm I think better of myself. It really was like if I don't change how I'm thinking about myself, if I don't do anything differently, then my life's just gonna keep being the same way. And so I still thought I was kind of not that great of a person, but <laughs> I was like, we gotta we gotta start somewhere. And then but the act of actually being nicer towards myself and changing my thoughts about myself did in fact provoke more change and make me feel better and then led to where we are today. Mm, that's really interesting because even, mm-hmm. even though you felt that way about yourself at that particular time, you felt you deserve better, a better life, or at least not to suffer, yeah. not to continue suffering in the way that you were. Yeah, well, and I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm just like blindly disagree with you. Um, no, but no, it's, that's, I didn't. Cool. I didn't feel like I um, I didn't know if I deserved it, but I just I knew I wanted it. Yeah. And something that helped me a lot, I, I, I think it's called maybe moral nihilism. I don't know, but it's the philosophy. But I don't really believe like people are entitled to anything. No one's entitled to anything. So I didn't really mm-hmm. believe in deserving things. I just felt like this is the way it is. And I do want more. And I know that if I'm miserable here, so that's why I wanted to change. Yeah. But then, um, yeah. And I still kind of feel the way I don't feel like I necessarily deserve anything, but I kind of want to change and I want to help people. And I want to make sure I, I want kind like sounding like a self-love kind of prophecy thing, but I want to help people. I want to help myself, all those things. That's, that's what motivates me a lot still. Mm. Now that you mention it, I've got to say that 
the things that started me on my path to change and treat myself better in terms of food. Yeah, definitely wasn't feeling like, oh, I'm worth so much more than what I'm currently experiencing. Like I'm, I'm worth a better life. I deserve better. It really was more like, I can't fucking do this, this current thing. Yeah. I can't fucking do this for another fucking second. So it was mm -hmm. like, and then what you said about how like acting in a way that's congruent with that to change things, then the way that you feel about yourself kind of starts to change over time. Is that more of what yeah. your experience was? Cause yeah, that was definitely the case for me. It's not like I just woke up one day and went, you know what? I'm fucking worth it. It was more like, <laughs> yeah. it was more like this, mm -hmm. this sucks. This sucks completely so badly and i'm not I, I can't do this anymore so let's do something about it <laughs> yeah and then later oh, yeah. Actually, yeah well and yeah when i say i don't believe i deserve anything or others don't deserve anything i it's not like it's not like i don't think people work hard and they don't like i think most humans are deserving of basic decency and, and respect and kindness i don't want people to be miserable but yeah it was it was kind of like the same thing with you. Like this sucks. I'm miserable. I can't do this. The other alternative is like dying. So we, we need to change something. And then the funny thing though, is that when you, when I looked at it and I looked at what was going wrong, I was constantly abusive towards myself, just thinking really horrible thoughts about myself all the time. Anytime I, and it's funny, I would do little things wrong. Like I would forget to mail something or I would accidentally be late to something or just forget to take the trash out I don't know but those are the things that I would be like you're so stupid and it's like now those things I'm like oh yeah you forgot that it's a big big whoop whatever but I would just be so mean about everything that I did and then even the bigger things and I found that that I, I thought that that would motivate me but really what it did is it ended up me like me just crying on the bathroom floor so it really wasn't helping and making me miserable to be around and also miserable to be in my own, my own body and so I just I heard I think Corinne Crabtree talk about how the reason you're stuffing your face is because you are so mean to yourself all the time mm. and I don't think that's the only reason but it really rang true for me it's like oh every time I think this way about myself every time I treat myself this way I don't do anything productive. I just end up with, I don't know, a day old pie from the grocery store and binging and purging it doesn't work out. So I need to start changing those things. And that's what helped. Mm. So not so much going, oh my God, I'm worth so much more than this as just recognizing <laughs> that whatever the fuck is going on right now, that this isn't working, not working on any level. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, because I don't want to say that I think self-love is important. Treating yourself kindly is important, obviously, because it changes your behavior and stuff like that. But no, it's it's really hard to tell someone when they're, especially they're binging and purging daily and they feel completely chaotic and they're abusive towards themselves every single day to be like, no, you're actually worth it. They're not going to believe that, even though they they do probably deserve a better life, you know, but they're not going to feel it that way. Mm. And it comes down to that difference between like knowing and feeling as well. Like I know this mm -hmm. happened for myself and I've worked with pl plenty of people who know in theory that they have every reason to like themselves. You know, they might be told by other people that they're a nice person. They may have done a whole lot of personal development or read a lot of personal development and gone down that road 
and they know in theory that they might have every right to like themselves a little bit more than they do. But there's that discrepancy between what they might know on paper and then how they, or what they know intellectually and then how they actually feel about themselves. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely something that I noticed for myself as well. It was like, okay, I know that I shouldn't be so hard of my hard on myself. I know that, you know, this, this, and this, if I thought this way, it just would produce a better result. But why the hell don't I feel that way? And this is a hurdle that I've seen people run into a lot. And the only answer I have, and this is what I'd love to know your take on it as well. The only answer I have doesn't seem to be super satisfactory sometimes because it's like you need to act in a way that's congruent with how you want to feel for long enough to that for that feeling to actually develop. And there's going to be a period of time where, yeah, you you might not actually feel it. You might not feel better. You'll just be taking consistent action from a position of knowing rather than feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to take that time. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree quite a bit. I think there is a bit of hollowness to it as well, because it feels so like, oh, you just need to act the part and then you'll feel better to someone who's struggling with complete low, low self-esteem issues and hating themselves. It's not going to sound very nice, but Mm -hmm. if they just stand in a mirror and say, I love you it probably will feel extremely foreign and not right at all. Um, I, what the thing that I wrote down as one of our topics was showing yourself acts of kindness before thinking it, because I do believe that you need to practice thinking in a way that's nicer to yourself, but also you need to act the part and through actions that definitely provokes feelings. I think of it, I was talking a while ago with a client who really struggles with deep self-hatred and Um, We were discussing thoughts she could think differently about herself. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, your friends think this about you. Your wife thinks this about you. What, um, why can't you think that way? But then we also talked about um, how when she loves someone else, she shows them. She doesn't just think it. She basically does things for them. Like if you're both of us in relationships, right? And if we just thought we loved our partner, but then we didn't do anything for them. <laughs> they would oh, no. think that they hated us, right? Yeah. They think of like, what? you didn't talk to them or anything. So you you show them acts of kindness and through that, the relationship's built. And also you got to think about it this way too. Um, if you're coming, if basically you've been mean to yourself for a long time, you're basically telling your abuser, hey, we're going to give you one more chance because you don't really have a choice, right? <laughs> you. But You're not suddenly, if your abuser suddenly tells you like, I love you, I'm going to change, I'm sorry, you're not going to believe them. You're going to be like waiting. (laughs) You'll be like, I don't, I don't, no, no, no. I remember last time you said this. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, think it. Yeah, so it's like thinking it, but practicing it too. Yeah. Imagining it as like another person, like, because yeah, like what would you trust and what wouldn't you trust in someone else? Yeah. If if they would been acting a certain way for a certain period of time and then one day went, Oh, don't worry, it's all turned around now. Even if they acted differently <laughs> for that one day, after that one day, you'd be like, Yeah, I still don't we we're gonna need some more time, you know? hmm Yeah, you'd need months, sometimes years to really change that. And I, I feel like I'm in a good place now where I don't I trust myself completely with those things, but um 
it took me a while to get there and showing it's important to go over like, well, if you were to show yourself that you love yourself, what would you do? You probably wouldn't beat yourself up the second that you make some stupid small mistake and you probably Mm. would give yourself more self-care time and do things for yourself, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that kind of ties into something we mentioned at the very start of this call in terms of, you know, for everyone listening, I just got back from a particularly difficult visit Mm -hmm. at the vet with our oldest pet. Uh, You know, she's still with us, but, you know, not for much longer. And Jacqueline asked me, you know, are you right to record this? Do you want to take a minute? Do you want to record next week? And the subject of self-care came up because it's like, no, because right now I'm acknowledging that there are certain feelings that will need to be processed. And there are certain feelings that exist in me that I will need to feel that I need to process that I'm not going to try and suppress. But at this moment in time, having this conversation, recording this podcast is my act of self-care for myself. It's, you know, just kind of writing everything off and going, you know what, screw it. I'm bailing. I'm going to tuck myself into bed for the rest of the night. And that's going to be it. Like, and you know, if that was what someone else did, because that was right for them, that's totally cool. But Mm -hmm. you know, when we talk about the actions that we take that are in line with what we need, and doing those things for long enough to the point where we start actually believing ourselves in terms of what we're yeah. worth. Um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting balance what self care can actually look like, and and what, yeah, what caring for yourself can actually look like in different situations because it doesn't always look exactly how we might think it's going to. Yeah. We think self-care, you need to think of bubble baths and reading and some wine or something like that. And that can be self-care, but actually going to work, doing what you need to do and, and, you know, making money or taking care of your family or doing the chores. Sometimes that can be just as efficient as an active self-care. Um, I think there's, there's, it's a balance, right? Cause you do need to feel emotions and process emotions. I always struggle with this. Mm. Like how long do you need to feel an emotion before it's processed? And then uh, how soon should you just move on and keep on going? I tend to notice that if I'm feeling really burnt out, if I'm feeling really fatigued, then it's a sign to me that I'm not taking enough time for myself. It's just like constantly waking up tired, then something's wrong. But if I feel good, then it's like, you just keep on going. And that's, but yeah, I do think sometimes self-care it's, you can, because like when you have something sad happen, like you had today, it is helpful to process that, right? But also sometimes when there's a death or something happening, getting back to work and getting yourself immersed in real life, taking your mind off of it can be just as healthy for you and good. Um, Have you seen the new show Severance on Apple TV? No, I haven't. I've been binge watching Gilmore Girls recently. what i tried to watch the show i couldn't do it that's so funny like in more girls <laughs> well i think i i think my wife just has some certain kind of quirks in common with uh Taste. with with like yeah she's got some some of the same quirks as like one of the 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 lead characters um and it's just kind of funny to watch her watch that and go oh my fucking oh. god is that me i'm like yeah <laughs> 
that's hilarious um it's it sucks when you get called out by a show you're like oh that's me <laughs> um i watched uh arthur growing up we didn't have we didn't have a lot of television growing up and mainstream tv do you know what arthur is is it that cartoon with like the yeah it's a pbs cartoon where they kind of look the like artwork strange... yeah oh is that what they are i was like is it a weird hamster like what <laughs> I think that they're aardvarks. I don't know, though, for sure, because it's Arthur the aardvark. Um, anyway, his little sister, DW, uh, I, my boyfriend sent me a reel with her recently, and she was, like, <laughs> upset about something and explodes in anger, and that was totally me growing up and sometimes still is me now, like, the little little baby girl that, like, gets upset about things. And I was like, oh, dang it, I feel very called out right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway... Uh, the main reason I brought it up was because Severance, the, the Apple TV show, for those of you guys that haven't seen it, there's spoilers, so get off the show. Um, but they're basically, they they're, they sever part of your brain so that when you're at work, you don't remember anything from your personal life and you're just at work. And then wow. when you come home, you don't remember anything from work and you're in your personal life again. And I've only watched the first episode. But I think the general premise is the the people that have signed up for this, something bad has happened in their life that they don't want to think about. And so they're going to work to try to forget what's happening. And um, basically, I think they're trying to say, like, this isn't working and you need to feel your emotions. But I do think there's an interesting concept of, like, getting to work, distracting yourself. It can help to some degree. Yeah, 100 percent. Also, there's the feeling of accomplishment that kind of comes after doing something like yeah. I know definitely for me today getting something done you know contributing something just adds that little bit of a positive spark to what otherwise could have been just a really fucking dreary day you know so mm-hmm. sometimes yeah but at the same time like we've talked about burnout a lot you don't want to just suppress what you're feeling and whip yourself at work until you fall over like that's a whole other thing like there's some middle ground that we need to find between these two extremes yeah yeah it comes out to to hurt you after a while if you don't pay attention to yourself but yeah Mm -hmm. i get i get a lot of accomplishment from the work that i do and everything it makes makes my day a whole lot more positive than it would be otherwise um that's probably why in recovery uh, what's it? I'll call it anonymous, anonymous, the, um, 12 step program. One of the steps is helping others and mm. giving back to others. I, I believe I'm not quite sure, but it gives you this sense of purpose and happiness that you wouldn't get otherwise. And it does help you feel better. It gives you hope. It gets you out of your head as well. Like mm-hmm. one of the key things in terms of like body image, especially is create a kind of life for yourself. That's just so much bigger than, you know, looking at the scales and looking in the mirror and thinking that that's, you know, my whole world. Like what we see so often when someone is struggling with body image, it's a overvaluation of like weight and shape. Mm -hmm. It's when we're fixating on those things so much that everything else in our life falls by the wayside and weight and shape is just at the forefront of our mind all the time. But rather than fight those beliefs or not beliefs, whatever they might be, rather than fight whatever that is directly and kind of go to war with ourselves on the inside, an approach that has been proven to work really well is actively putting attention into other positive areas of life. Like like you said, like contributing, like helping others, like making sure that your life 
is actually fulfilling and you're not just waking up every day living in this world of body image anxiety and um, concern about weight and overthinking food choices. So like rather than fight those things directly, yeah, just, okay, I'm going to actually do some stuff for other people. I'm going to uh, contribute mm-hmm. more. I'm going to create a life that is rewarding and fulfilling. And let's just revisit how I feel about body image. Let's come, let's put a pin in that and come back to that in a, in a little bit after investing some energy into some, you know, rewarding avenues. Yeah. That's sometimes your whole life. And then someone tells you it's, you know, you need to change that. You need to gain weight. You're not gonna, you're not gonna want to give it up. Right. Because it's everything to you, but I certainly agree. I was thinking while you're saying about the, the time when I was, my leanest was probably at the beginning of my bulimia eating disorder. Like I struggled with disordered eating before that, but bulimia was definitely at the beginning, my leanest. And I just, when I think back to those memories, I think of images of me being in my apartment all alone over Christmas because I, because that was the only way that I could not eat, avoiding my family and just exercise all the time. Mm-hmm. Just laying in bed, watching shows I didn't really care about because I didn't have energy to do anything else. And then also, um, I remember having a conversation one time with my boyfriend and I was like, I, I brought up for the thousandth time that I had gotten, I had lost weight. And I was like, I look so much better. And he, I remember him being, he was kind, but I probably brought it up so much. He was like, yeah, um, anyway. And <laughs> I just, it was this, I realized in that moment and I didn't really pick it up till now, I guess that I'm remembering is like, that. that's all I was talking about. That's all I really cared about. And my world was very small and very hollow outside of that. And since doing everything that I've done, having a bigger world, like you're saying, has really helped me let go of that. Cause I still have bad body machines. I'm sure you do too. And mm. you're like, well, it's not the end of the world. It's not like, I don't have anything else and I'm able to move on. And someone in my group today, she even posted about how her image with body image seems to, her, her relationship with her body seems to be changing naturally, getting better naturally because she's not focusing on it as much. And it just seems like if she has a bad body image day now, it's not as bad to her. It doesn't make her go back on her recovery just because yeah. she's been doing a lot better. For sure. A really good example of that that I saw and actually repurposed for part of uh, part of the content that I give to clients is like this pie chart. And if you can imagine like 75%, like three quarters of that pie chart being occupied with, you know, body image concerns. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, when we do other things, it's more of an even split. Imagine that I'm so I'm doing a terrible job at trying to explain a visual on like this thing. <laughs> but, you know, if 75% of that pie chart, three quarters of it is taken up with body image concerns and we have a bad day in terms of body image, that's just going to be a straight up bad fucking day because it's just the majority Mm -hmm. of that it's the majority of what takes up our time and attention whereas if that pie chart was split like five ways and all the different parts are relatively even so all of a sudden we're looking at something where if any one of those things went off the rails or if any single one of those things just wasn't good for a day then you've still got four fifths of the things that provide you with safety, self-worth, happiness, you know, you've still got Mm -hmm. 
four out of five of those things online. So you still can have a good day, even if body image isn't going well, or even if one of the other things isn't going well. So that's like the, if we manage to just invest in other areas, then, and do the work that, you know, we're doing all of a sudden, if we have a rough day in terms of body image, like, you know, you know, you and I have talked about, like, you know, we still have them occasionally. It's, Mm -hmm. it's still like, well, that doesn't, ruin the day anymore it's it's more like yeah Yeah. that's a bit that's a bit annoying i'm kind of feeling a bit of this today and that sucks but i'm still actually able to have a really good day because the entire day isn't held up by that one thing or isn't dependent on that one thing yeah yeah it's like i think of stock investing when you said that you know you're supposed to yeah you diversify not just put it all on one stock exactly yeah Yeah. that's what you do with your life i like making money comparisons with this stuff because it's easily understood and mathematical but Mm. the example you gave is brilliant with the pie chart and everything that makes a lot of sense i'm really glad that it kind of came across like this because it works much better with the visual but yeah cool (laughs) i know yeah we both i think do this thing where while we're explaining something in the back of our mind everybody's like you're not doing this right you're not saying it right you're making this mistake (laughs) and it's like it's like no you're doing fine i whatever i'm speaking i just have to basically like no we're gonna keep on going you just keep saying it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're so right you just have to like Mm -hmm. put that voice aside and just power through and <laughs> yeah. yeah it's gonna keep on going because it's like if you stop now if you address that thought then you're gonna get completely derailed and then you're completely fucked <laughs> maybe this is why we're on the same page when we have these chats because we're both dealing with very very similar things yes mm-hmm. yeah. that actually so with with your when you started to, let me ask you so for me, I've just got this like voice in my head always. I'm not, not as like, it's not just, you know, it's my own mind, but it's this voice in my head. That's like, um, you know, you're not doing this right, or you suck, or you're not explaining this well, or, um, or that was really stupid. They're thinking this about you now. For me, what I found again, kind of like you say with body image is just, instead of trying to get rid of it, just not focusing on it, almost like ignoring it or not giving it much attention and being like, yeah, okay, but let's keep on moving on anyway. It must not be that bad. Um, have you found the same to be the case or do you have a similar experience? Yeah. The approach that I use to deal with that stuff is very body focused. It's very much grounded in physical sensations and breathing and everything like that. And it could almost be described as a, like a bottom up approach. And when I've had chats with people about this, uh, it's, it's almost like it comes down to, broadly there are a couple of different ways we can like navigate these things top down versus bottom up an example of top down is like you know cognitive behavioral therapy type you know addressing thoughts and self-talk and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. how we speak to ourselves like reframing things whatever and then bottom up is more body focused like physical sensations in the body what is the sensory experience of the feeling that you're currently having what is your breathing like all this kind of thing. Different people I've found seem to lean in different directions when it comes to mm-hmm. how to handle these uh, this chatter in the head and these kind of voices. I'm very much bottom up focused, very much like body based. I find that trying to reframe things in my head and, and talk myself off ledges 
sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but often that just makes my thoughts kind of like snowball and start going back and forth mm. because the the voice that caused the problem in the first place likes to think that it's pretty fucking smart. So it likes to come up with, (laughs) likes to come up with, oh yeah, but whatever. And before I know it, I've, I've just entered into this time wasting thing in my head. So for me, I find it really helpful to turn my attention away from thoughts at times completely and literally focus on like one breath at a time, sometimes really get myself down into that physical regulation, like self-regulating physically that's Mm -hmm. how i've and that's how i navigate that kind of situation myself if if something goes wrong upstairs i go down to the basement um be with the body (laughs) breathe and just just imagine when you say basement you think of something really creepy like a bunch of dolls or something like that you know (laughs) but i know you mean as as that was coming out of my mouth that voice that we spoke about before was like dude this this explanation you're fucking it like you're gonna say basement and that is like yeah. that, is, that is not a healing image but uh yeah i'd like i'm sorry i shouldn't have said it but i get what you mean i was like, thinking bottom, it, i've heard like, that before mm-hmm. yeah same way like but yeah no i i go back and forth I, I like that example and i think that's helpful especially when you're in a really dramatic moment like maybe mm. you want to binge or or something horrific has just happened for me. Maybe like it's more common for you to just any sort of moment like that. But if I'm in a moment where I can't think rationally anymore, then then that approach is better. It's just like let's just focus on our, focus on our breathing. It's, it's almost like you're just shutting, you're just restarting the computer, right? Just yeah. turning it off. Like there's too many things <laughs> going on here. We just need to turn it off and we'll restart it. And just going away from your brain for a second, breathing and trying to calm your body back down, then you can come back to your brain and it's refreshed. That's a really good point. It can very much depend on the intensity things have kind of reached. Like Mm -hmm. in those more intense moments, a body-based approach, like you said, just switch it off. Just like we're, we're, the thoughts are too much, we're exiting here. But if the intensity is of the emotional, whatever is currently going on, if that's a bit more manageable, a bit more kind of, low to medium level that's when yeah actually now that you say in in, now that you say it like that in those moments i definitely find it helpful to you know reframe thoughts observe thoughts do all that kind of stuff but then if things get more intense that's when the the body-based approach comes in so yeah that's a really good point which approach Mm -hmm. we use kind of often depends on which stage of the process we're at yeah, how bad it is. Because um, mm. the reframing too, I just had this conversation with someone else, actually a friend, and we were talking about how, because he was under the impression too, that like, okay, action, action-based things are more important overall because they really, you get the reps in, you learn from it and you have to experience the more physical aspect is the more important part. But I still feel like the reframing thoughts is important because yeah. they're what, drive the action ultimately like you have to decide to do something and i find a lot of people i work with they know what to do they just have this these blocks in their brain these ideas that kind of hold them back and if you can talk about those and reframe those a bit then they're more likely to take the action that will ultimately seal the deal Mm. yeah i agree for sure Mm -hmm. but i wanted to ask you so bringing it back because we we veered off course but with self-care self-love all those things when you were first starting your 
journey of recovery. Did you have this whole moment of like, I'm going to be better to myself. I'm going to start thinking differently. Was it like that? Or was it kind of just stumbling in the dark? It was very much stumbling in the dark. Like, (laughs) I wish I could say that there was a formula. Now I've, I've recognized in hindsight, I've recognized the things that work. I've done enough study and reading on the subject to line those things that I know worked for me up with things that, oh, I'm like, okay, that, that was, that's literally something that's from a particular course or something that I happened to just stumbled upon because it felt right at the time. So yeah, for Mm -hmm. me, it was very much, very, very much stumbling in the dark and seeing what felt in line with what I wanted. And it was felt is the wrong word because a lot of the time I was going against my feelings because my feelings about things, I came to the conclusion that I couldn't trust 100%. In some ways, my feelings Mm. were the things that were driving me towards problematic behaviors. So it's almost like I had to, when I felt good, like as my best self, decide, okay, how do I want to act? And then commit to those actions kind of regardless of how I felt. So Mm -hmm. that was a bit of a process of, of stumbling in the dark and seeing what would happen because sometimes I would decide on an action that was actually really toxic and fucked. And I'd have to realize like a few weeks or months down the track, wait, this isn't working out what went wrong here. So yeah, very much stumbling in the dark. What about you? Um, it was similar, but I like that you said the decide based on what you know your best self needs and yeah. then committing regardless of how you're feeling. And I don't think either of us were saying like ignore how you feel, gaslight yourself. But I was in that moment too of of thinking, all right, what I'm doing is not working, like we were saying in the beginning. And there was a key moment I had where I really just decided, okay, we're going to do things differently. Like this is not working. We can't just keep playing in the muck anymore. This isn't helping. And we need to stop being so mean to ourselves. We need to at bare minimum do these things. Otherwise we're just going to keep winding up here. And I also committed to, okay, we're not going to trash talk ourselves anymore. We're not going to beat ourselves up anymore. We are bare minimum going to treat ourselves with human uh, respect and decency. And I couldn't, because I couldn't go to like, I love, I love myself and I'm so amazing, but I could go to like, you're a human being worthy of decency and respect. Yeah. And we're going to treat ourselves like we treat others. And that helped me a lot. And then um, also just before, when I did that, I wasn't, I wasn't on the verge of stopping binging yet. That was a long way down the road. But when it came to changing my relationship with myself, that helped a lot. And I did, I did the whole like, I wrote down affirmations that I believed at the time, put them on my mirror and said those to myself out loud every morning, which is Mm -hmm. so cheesy, but it helped me. But then it reminded me of how I should be treating myself. And then I acted accordingly based on what I said, like someone Mm. who respects themselves doesn't shit talk themselves and doesn't go and I don't know, skip work or call in sick or something like that. They do the things that they're supposed to do. I love that you mentioned that difference between self-respect and you know shooting for self-love like because for me as well the idea of loving myself was just so foreign that I was like what I, I just couldn't like what do you mean like, what does it mean like why mm-hmm. why love myself like 
the only thing akin to self-love or as close as I thought it, it was, it's actually miles from self-love, but I thought that it was self-love at the time was the feeling that I would get after achieving something like mm. that kind of ego based satisfaction. I thought that was self-love. So that gives you an idea of how far into the fucking weeds I actually was at that particular point in time. But yeah, yeah. Self-love can be really hard to grasp though. Self-respect that can be a little bit more tangible. And I'm really glad you said that because it's something that I'm 100% with you on. Mm -hmm. Cause you wouldn't go up to, I mean, hopefully you wouldn't, you wouldn't go up to a random stranger and be like, you're a piece of shit, you know, and walk away. <laughs> so why are you doing those things to yourself? Just doesn't, doesn't do any good. You know, no. um, it's not helpful. Yeah. I, when you were talking, I was thinking, because for you, so I'm a woman, right. And in female culture, it's, much more common for them to be like, take care of yourself, love yourself, be kind to yourself. It's more appropriate, even though it shouldn't be the case. But I feel like a male culture, um, at least maybe back then, it's changing now. But there's, I don't know, men aren't supposed to take care of themselves, right? They're supposed to just achieve things, do things, accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. So it makes mm -hmm. sense to me why you thought like, here's what I can do for myself. I can accomplish things. I can get that satisfaction, which is good. But um, I can see maybe why you thought that based on messages that you'd received. Yeah, that's, I feel really seen right now. <laughs> that is, yeah, it, it sucks. That's, that's something that, yeah, um, a lot of the guys I work with, they're in their, their 40s, some like early 50s. And yeah, we, we think this way, we act this way. There's not a lot of, Hey bro, love yourself stuff going on. Like, I mean, there is some kind of coming out, but it's just such a foreign message that we don't really click with it. There's still a lot tied up in achievement and earning almost like earning the right to love yourself but then it still becomes mm -hmm. this weird like ego driven thing. There's, there's a lot of knots to untie there, like a lot, but uh, we're chipping away at it. Yeah. Well, especially with the older males too, it was even more ingrained in society then of like, there's no self-care for men. Like you just get on with it. Like you just work and then it's fine. Um, <laughs> get it's back a shame. To work, and I, you'll be all right. <laughs> right. And with, with, Females too. I think a lot of us think it's cheesy too. Like the whole self-love care and be kinder to yourself. We think it's cheesy, but it's, it's still, if someone, some woman goes online and it's like, I'm choosing to love myself more. It's going to be more appropriate. It's going to be more well-received than a man doing that, which is pretty messed up. Uh, but yeah, it's cool though. in saying that, that you, when you were trying to go on this journey of recovery that you knew that something had to be changed and you had to treat yourself better in some capacity. So at least you had that knowledge despite what society was feeding you. Yeah. I think that initial spark did come from another guy. It didn't come from a guy saying, Oh, you know, go love yourself. It came from a dude who, you know, he was in his fifties, great coach, great trainer, great athlete. And he said to me, dude, you like, you need a meal. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's like in one way or another, in, it's not so much the words he said as the delivery, the delivery from him, it, it came from, it was very much that like, almost like hearing something from your favorite uncle, like, 
mm-hmm. someone who genuinely cared saying you you deserve a, a meal mate like you know it, it's okay yeah. to feed yourself and that that was enough it's that was funnily enough yeah that that was enough part of me got that message even if it wasn't phrased in a way that was particularly flowery or whatever it reached me at the time and yeah I think expecting guys to really embrace the the whole self-love thing sometimes can be a little bit mismatched but if we can like what I do my best to work on communicating the message in a way that resonates even if it's not quite in the way that people might expect it to be delivered it's just it's whether or not Mm -hmm. the message gets the feeling across not so much getting caught up on the particulars of the message um, itself so yeah yeah yeah. but with the you said it before too like you just need a meal you just need to eat and so a few weeks ago on a coaching call it came up about how giving yourself food is one of the most basic acts of kindness you can do for yourself and in culture right uh, most cultures across the world giving someone food is something you do as an act of kindness mm. it's a sign that you care it's a sign that you love someone there's a funeral you bring food someone's happy you bring food and someone's like cold lonely on the street you give them some food you offer them food and it's because we know that we all need it it's something that's very enjoyable and something that you do to people who need to take like that need taken care of and so him saying that you really like feeding yourself is an act of kindness it's an act of self-love and care even though it doesn't seem like it but it's one of the most basic things you can do and when you aren't doing that for yourself you're really neglecting and abusing yourself in a way so it makes sense why that resonated with you mm. Yeah, you're so right. And oh, well, thank you. As well, it's it's something that we, you know, when we are struggling with food, we miss out on that social experience that that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much that we do miss out on. Like what was your first experience or one of your most memorable experiences of being part of a social situation where you noticed that you weren't thinking about food? in the way that you used to like what was your first experience like post recovery or during recovery that you remember actually enjoying a social situation not overthinking what was going on with food and actually clocking that and realizing like wow this is a, a different experience mm-hmm. so a bonding event between me and my boyfriend this pizza. We get pizza probably once a week. It's just something we do together. It's not even crazy nice pizza. So most of the time it's like Domino's pizza, which is, <laughs> I like it. I don't know. It's fine. It's good. Um, it's yeah. It's like it's cheap. It's good. It's whatever. And it's something like we'll do it on a night where we're busy. Like yesterday was pizza night because we were both doing stuff. Um. Anyway, we would even when I was struggling with bulimia, we'd have pizza probably once a week or so, and that was always the trigger night for me I was always like please don't order pizza I would tell him like don't order it that sort of stuff but he always always trying to control what he ate and he's like you're gonna he would think like okay well I really want to eat the pizza can I just order some and you not have any but I would always end up eating some anyway if he got it right (laughs) so during my recovery we would have the Domino's pizza or whatever and I would usually I would allow myself to eat it. I wouldn't binge anymore, but I would still eat it and overeat. And I'd end up eating like a full pizza most of the time. And I would like 
eat it, but then I would keep going back for more and I'd be sick and all this sort of stuff. So it just wasn't a good experience. But I remember one time, finally, when he said, like, do you want to order pizza? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you can order if you want to. I was kind of sick of pizza. And I remember saying, like, I'm sick of pizza. And it just freaked me out. <laughs> I was like, what, <laughs> what is going on? How can I be sick of pizza? And even like last night when we had pizza, I was kind of like, yeah, this is good. I was hungry, but I wasn't so starved for pizza. It's like pizza is a very casual thing for me now. So I think that was one of the key moments. Even it wasn't a big social gathering, but it was just something that was so, such a bad thing for me in bulimia. Pizza was always really hard for me. Mm. And to be able to not even really want it that badly, it was a huge moment. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing when the texture of those experiences change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not euphoric anymore. It's just pizza. It's like, this yeah. is good. I'm fine. I'm done. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I was just wondering mm-hmm. that. Yeah, well, with with the... I think that people, when they hear this and they're going through bulimia, they probably think we're crazy. But <laughs> you really do get sick of food over time. They lose their luster. I think we've talked about this before, but... Um, and it's nice now because I never am trying to control his food anymore. I think that changed our relationship dynamic too. And mm-hmm. I always kind of blame him for my food habits. Like don't order this. And he's just trying to be a normal human being, like eat the pizza. That's it's not <laughs> a big deal. But for me, it was this huge deal. And not having that drama with food in our relationship has made it a lot better. Um, and I didn't realize it was so heavily impacting it, but it was. And I'd be upset over things because of it, that sort of stuff, or I'd just be weird around the food or nervous. And, um, or I would do this weird thing where I would like pressure him to eat with me if he wasn't hungry, but I wanted to eat. I'd be like, are you sure you don't want any food? I'll make some food for you. And he's like, I'm not hungry. But I, it was kind of like people pressuring people with alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't drink alone. I can't eat alone. So yeah, things are much better because of that, <laughs> because awesome. of recovery with food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember... In my early 20s, I was in a relationship where I didn't realize I had an eating disorder, but I had an eating disorder. And the girl I was dating at the time, we were together a few years, and she very much had an eating disorder as well. And the amount of craziness that just occurred as a result of food, conflict around food, emotions flying mm-hmm. everywhere around food like the i i can't describe just how hectic that household of just the two of us was when I we can't were, imagine when we were both like really like really far down the rabbit hole like food could either make or break like a week and if one of us was wow. having if one of us was having like a good moment with food and maybe enjoying something and feeding ourselves like properly but then the other one wasn't quite there yet and it was maybe a bit triggered and not having such a good day it would just make the person who was triggered like it would make their situation so much worse because then they were looking at someone right there who all of a sudden wasn't struggling and then the person who wasn't struggling would then feel guilty because they they could then see that the other person in the relationship like really wanted to eat something but wasn't on board with eating mm-hmm. that on that particular day like yeah it, it it was mad and i think the the effect that destructive or yeah the effect that i'm, I'm always tripping over the words that i want to use in these situations like well the, i think you're trying to say the effect of the destructiveness of your behavior is really 
made a catastrophic relationship, right? Yeah. That sounds fascinating, but awful, like a soap oh, opera of food. It, oh my God. It was, it was, it, it was a clusterfuck. It was an absolute clusterfuck. And uh, I think yeah. the um, the effect that eating disorders and even disordered eating has on relationships is not something that's spoken about quite enough because it's, you know, food is something that we do together all the time. It's something that we give each other. It's mm-hmm. a way that we express love and affection. It, it's It's always there. So in a relationship if something is up with food it's it's really hard to navigate i never thought about two people together with eating disorders i have had several people talk to me that their their partner is also bulimic or something like that but i haven't dove into it so much but i didn't think about how crazy it could get if it's just because for both of us it's kind of just us in the relationship struggling with struggling with an eating disorder but for two people Oh my God, that would be insane. Um, (laughs) I did want to ask you though. uh, So I was just talking about this. I have several clients that are nervous about telling their partners about their eating disorder. Mm. Did your wife now, did your wife know when you first entered your relationship that you were struggling? And if not, how did you tell her? She was bouncing back from many years of orthorexia herself. And she was much more aware of her situation than I was mine. I thought that I was just at the time, like I thought that I just had a strict diet. I thought that I was just trying to be ripped. Uh, But really it was very much, it was still the tail end of, of bulimia and binge eating disorder. And it's not something that ever really came up in conversation as like a, this is happening for me. I need to, to sort this out. I think I've, I've mentioned this story before when we were first dating, we were getting a burger or something like that. And I noticed how much my mind just started spinning about food. When I was like, I'm out on a date right now with this amazing person. I should be thinking about this. Why is my night all of a sudden kind of upended because she suggested we go have a burger. And that was a big moment for me to go right i'm i'm gonna sort this out so that was something that happened really early on with me and and my wife like i just realized that something had to change and that i was going to sort it out so it never really became something that a, a sit down conversation happened around mm-hmm. uh, we've we've talked about it in hindsight like we're aware of each other's histories and we chat about it and obviously, because we're both coaches. But yeah, no, there was never a a big conversation about it. What about for you? Was there a moment with you and and your partner where you Mm -hmm. had to communicate what was happening for you and make him aware of what was going on? I didn't know. Obviously, I didn't know about the relationship history in your life. But um, that's interesting that it never there was never this official conversation. It just kind of naturally came out from time to time. And you discussed it, it sounds like, but mainly you just made the changes. No, mine was like this big conversation. I was I was still bulimic, though. It sounds like you weren't really struggling with bulimia anymore when you were with her. it, It was definitely it had shifted to just binge eating so i wasn't okay bulimic anymore though it binge eating is still a big deal but it's a little different i guess um Mm. but it sounds like maybe you didn't feel the need to just express 
exactly what was going on all the time, just that you needed to change it. Yeah. Yeah. That was my experience of it. What about you and in, in your experience? Um, yeah. So I've been struggling for a year or so um, with bulimia in my relationship and we had been dating long before that, but I just, I just moved in with him after graduating from college and I felt like I needed help. I felt I was worried for my safety and I didn't know what was going on really. I just knew that I was, I felt like I was crazy. Um, so I knew that I needed to get help, but I didn't know how. So I felt like telling him was going to be necessary for that reason. But I was so scared to tell him. I thought he was going to think all these horrible things about me that I had been lying or something. Um, and all these beliefs that I had really didn't make sense based on the reality of our relationship. But I really thought he was going to be furious and think of it as kind of a betrayal or think I was crazy. And so I finally what brought me to tell him is realizing like I can't keep the secret either way. It's just too much to keep. And I know I'm going to need help if I want to go to therapy. I can't just be sneaking off randomly to appointments. He would notice that. So I need, to, I need for him to be on the same page is what I felt like. So I just blurted it out on a grocery store run. Like we were coming back from the grocery store and I was driving. And I was just I was like, I need to tell you something. <laughs> I didn't think about telling him the whole day. He was like, what? <laughs> and then I, I just kind of blurted out that I've been struggling with Lenia, what was really going on. And he responded really compassionately and kindly and it, all my fears were really for no reason. And it helped me see that I wasn't so crazy. Having him have such a calm response really helped me be more kind to myself about it. That's really sweet. Really, really mm -hmm. sweet. Yeah. Not everyone has that experience, but um, I just wondered, mm. cause I was, I don't talk to many people that are, I don't know if coaches in the recovery industry are doing this, but I always wonder how people tell their significant others if it's a big conversation. And it's weird. I assumed it would be a big conversation between you two, but you're like, no, it really wasn't this huge thing. Um, so it's I different. Think, I think I tried to reach out to previous part. Like, I think my first experience of trying to reach out to someone I was dating, like someone who I had a long-term relationship with, that didn't go so well um mm -hmm. they just, obviously they were like what are you talking about i mean whether mm -hmm. or not it was because i'm a guy or they just didn't understand or whatever i don't know but i felt like it was this big thing that i was struggling with that i wanted to confide in someone about and when i tried to i kind of got the feeling that it was just being brushed off and it like, you're like, what are you talking about? Like that, that's not a thing. Or it just, yeah, I just got the feeling it was brushed off. And that experience evidently left a mark on me, like significant enough yeah. to make me like factor that in when I was discussing things in future relationships. I, I never discussed it in a relationship again after that until like meeting my wife and experiencing the relationship that we have now but yeah then it was a case of only talking about disordered eating or eating disorders really in hindsight because when I met her I mm -hmm. decided that I'm, I'm not going to be like this anymore I need to to sort this out because I don't want this to get in the way of of a beautiful relationship so yeah I now that you mention it yeah I did try and tell someone about it at some point and it didn't go well. And I guess that's, that led to me handling things in a very specific way moving forward.
Yeah. Wow. Well, now there's more to unpack, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's insane that sh- they just they just brush it off. I I find that people do that too. They're hopefully people have positive experiences, but some people they don't know how to handle it. They don't know what to do. And sometimes that they're used to seeing, especially in a partnership, they're used to seeing you as this, they have this idea of you in your mind, like this strong person who doesn't have any issues. Then you bring up an issue with them and they just don't, they don't want to see you that way. And so they kind of are like, let's just, let's just move on from it. So they probably did understand it was a thing. They didn't necessarily know how to handle it. So the best way they could is just to minimize it, which maybe they weren't trying to make you feel bad, but that can make you feel really bad. Be like, this isn't a thing. I'm the only one struggling with it. Oh my God, I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it was just like a that feeling of oh, this is this really big thing. Uh, it's making me it's it's on my nerves. It's making me feel this way. And then you go and tell someone, and they're like, "Meh." <laughs> it kind of like it just makes you go. It's awful. Uh, just kind of yeah. I don't. Everyone handles these things in different ways, I guess. But me, it just kind of made me go, oh, "Okay, note to self: I'm not going to confide in anyone about that." yeah that's one like you we were vulnerable people don't receive it well that's gonna make you completely clam up uh not to and i know probably have to go soon too um but we just got apple tv so that's why i'm mentioning all these apple tv shows but that new show (laughs) um physical have you seen that no i don't have apple tv i'm bouncing back and forwards between netflix and amazon we just got Hulu, so now we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna explore those shows again. We bounce back and forth too. But there's a show on Apple TV called Physical, and it's about someone who has an eating disorder. Um, mm. so it's it's actually really interesting. But there's a scene in it where this this man um tries to tell his wife. It's set in the 70s. This man tries to tell his wife what he's struggling with, and he starts crying, and she's like, "You're fine," and then she just <laughs> walks away, and it's yeah. like, oh god that's <laughs> awful she just but she didn't want to deal with it right she's like this is not his role he's supposed to be the man of the household he's supposed to be strong that's not what it's about and she just couldn't handle it so she left so it's really fucked up i'm sorry you had a somewhat similar experience well yeah i i wish it was a unique experience though there are so many people out there you know all genders who've experienced something mm-hmm. similar uh you know just feeling the need to communicate something, being vulnerable with something and not having that met with the gravity it deserves. It's a, it's a really difficult thing that, uh, that unfortunately so many people experience, but you know, the more good work we do, the more we, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you're putting yourself out there. I'm doing the same and hopefully that helps people feel less alone, especially if they get maybe the wrong opinion from someone, they can see that it's still important. Absolutely. Dude, I'm aware of the fact that it's like it's in the evening for me. So I've got fuck all to do now, whereas you've got a really busy day ahead. <laughs> Is there anything that you want to chat about before we wrap up? Anything, even if it's like left a field? I know that we were supposed to talk mainly about self-love and self-care, um, but we kind of got derailed from it. But I, I guess I just end it by saying like self-care and self-love looks different to everyone. Um, and I do agree with your premise that you should probably act in a way that suggests that you love yourself and respect yourself and that may provoke feelings of um love and respect right and being kinder to yourself but if you feel like i know a lot of people they hate themselves so deeply that they don't even want to do that but the thing that helped me most is realizing like it doesn't help anything to hate yourself really doesn't like it just makes you miserable just makes other people around you miserable you're just digging that hole deeper and i also think since i don't i don't really believe in entitlement 
just like you don't, maybe if you feel like you don't deserve love, you also don't deserve hate. You're just this yeah. neutral thing. And if it helps to think about it that way, that can be helpful too. So that's, that's what I would leave things on, I guess. I agree. The word neutral, ironically, is is something that I bounce back to a lot because if we can't shoot for great or good or love or whatever it might be, can we just shoot for neutral ground first? Can we just stop mm-hmm. doing the things that are making the situation worse? That was actually one of the cornerstones of what got me moving and kept me moving in a good direction was this mantra almost of, I refuse to do something that's going to make my day harder than it needs to be. Like, Mm, I love that. I'm not, I just, I'm going to straight up refuse to do something that's going to make a tough situation worse. I'm not going to add any more shit to my plate. You know, something might be challenging enough. I don't need to add something to it. And there are so many ways in which that I can prevent extra shit from landing on my plate on any given day. So I think that's really important what you said. Sometimes it can be enough to aim for neutral first. Just like if you're in a hole, like the first thing to do is to stop fucking digging, stop digging. Just yep. like, like, and then from Put there- Put the shovel down right now. Yeah, we're just going to stay the in the hole. down. <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna be in the hole but you're not gonna dig anymore i like it yeah stop doing shit that that makes it worse at the very bare minimum and sometimes that really helps people and then when you stop doing all that stuff you stop getting buried underneath it and you can see a little bit more clearly and that's when you can see that there's actually a ladder to get out of the hole it's gonna climb it up so we love metaphors don't we we're just all about the visual examples i know right but yeah Yeah. like when it comes to self-love i think that's kind of the I, th- I think we're on the same page in regards to that. Like that's kind of the summary of it. Self-love is mm-hmm. something that, you know, there is so much talk out there about self-love and it can become almost like unconstructive because it puts this idea out there that, oh, we should love ourselves and we should. And I, I don't know about you, but I started thinking, does everyone do this? Does, does no- do normal people walk around just going, oh, me, like i know right no i'm like fuck <laughs> I do that it's weird yeah I mean, yeah geez. no i think maybe normal people just go around and they don't necessarily think about how they hate themselves so much that they think and maybe they're just proud of themselves when they do something good and they aren't so mean to themselves when they do something bad and that's the extent of it i feel like that's how my relationship is i do love myself but i'm the only person i have when it comes down to it so i kind of have to but i'm just not horribly mean to myself i'm constructive when i do something wrong and then um if i do something right i'm like yay good good for you and then we move on with our merry way (laughs) i love it very much Mm -hmm. although real quick i do have bad moments still like sometimes that toxic voice still comes in and if I notice it, I don't firstly beat myself up for having it. I'm like, oh, you're doing this again. Good for you. Like you don't layer it on top of each other. But I try to just be like, you know what? I hear you, but like, this isn't helpful. Let's move on. Um, so yeah. if I do get caught up by the voice again, I just try to move on. I feel like it's super important to mention the nuance in what you just said. Like the I hear you part of that statement sometimes mm-hmm. can be essential there's a a really fine line between acknowledging something and just moving on and suppressing 
so like mm-hmm. i've noticed like when we when we feel something or whatever and we try to suppress things you go i don't feel that i don't think that i don't whatever when we deny the experience that we're having it can throw fuel on it whereas mm-hmm. when we're able to notice like look i hear you i notice that i'm experiencing this but i can have that experience and still make a better choice at the same time yeah absolutely um the more you try to bury something that's actually true for you the worse it gets and I find that even the toxic voice, there's a purpose to it. It's, it's trying to protect you. It thinks it's, it's helpful and it feels like, okay, if we're just mean to ourselves, maybe we'll, maybe we'll alter that behavior or maybe this will make us not do this again. Um, so even if it's not the most helpful way to do it, listening to that and understanding like, oh, there's a reason you're here. That's really helpful to acknowledge because then you can see, okay, what's the reason that you're here? Cool. All right. Yeah, I see you but we're going to go about it differently this time. I think that's much more productive than just trying to pretend it's not real. 100%. Dude, mm-hmm. I'm so aware that you've got a really busy day and I better go. <laughs> yeah. Well, also like, I know you have time too. I'm like terrible in the evening. So I commend you for being able to do a podcast this late. I was so tempted to have a coffee before this call to try and get my head really on point, but I have a day of like back-to-back clients tomorrow and I can't afford to wake up after having not slept and being like, oh, hey, everybody, this is the me that you get today. So I know. Yeah. So when I take, when I sometimes when I drink those coffees at five um, or even three, really, I'm like, I'm risking it all right now. It's just all going to go downhill. <laughs> but exactly. I only, I'll probably do that tonight, but I can sleep in tomorrow, so it's fine. Yeah, it's like this wild decision this is Jacqueline going <laughs> yeah. Jacqueline going rogue, having a coffee at five. That's how PM. you know you're an adult. Like because as a little kid drink caffeine all the time, but as an adult, you're like, woo, coffee past three o'clock. What's <laughs> what's gonna happen? It's <laughs> uh age, man. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I do have to go. But it's been good talking with you as always. As always, mate. We'll chat again very soon. Hey, yeah. Bye, Marcus. See you later.